This is the New Zealand Digital Podcast, Episode 4, When Communities Go Bad. In this episode, we join Social Media Club Auckland as they dive into a panel discussion uh, around the dark side of social media, and we take a look at how community managers and moderators deal with trolling, anonymous commenting, and the general nasty stuff that happens in the online world. Now, on the panel for this episode, there was Anna O'Connell, BNZ's online community manager, uh, Chris Keel, who is from the National Business Review, he's the head of digital, uh, Michael Kush, uh, breakfast news reader and digital content editor uh, for MediaWorks station The Edge, and Richard Irvine who is, of course, New Zealand's, uh, well, New Zealand Cricket's uh, new digital uh, communications uh, man. So uh, so let's jump in and join that uh, the start of that panel discussion. Before we head into this discussion, I do want to differentiate between cyberbullying, which is a very separate subject, and that, to my mind, is the targeting of an individual for the purpose of bullying. And... Trolling, where we're looking at it as a commercial implications of when people troll for a commercial a commercial entity because they're dissatisfied, because they're unhappy, and then also when it is actually used as a, almost a form of industrial espionage, which is what we're going to discuss with the panel tonight. So I do want us to make the subjects quite separate because cyberbullying has quite different implications. Now, um, first up, like to introduce our panel. So we've got Anna who actually follow on Twitter and Anna's BNZ's online community manager and she works across a huge online platform and no one makes anyone angrier these days than banks so I actually do not <laughs> pity her. I pity her. I pity the fool that goes away for a bank. So they, I must admit, I do follow BNZ and I do see her comments and I think they are very, very patient. Now um, I'm just doing this in the order that it's on my PowerPoint, because PowerPoint is the king. So we've got also, so that's Anna. Now Chris Keel at the end there. Now he's NBR's head of digital and prolific technology business newsbreaker. So he's revamped the comments section on NBR, and it's introduced a raft of new features. And also he moderates a Q&A for their live one-hour Ask Me Anything session. So Chris, who have you had on that so far? Have you had John Key? John Key? Uh, no, we've had... Uh Various people. Uh, interesting people? Interesting people. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. who, who <laughs> rile people? Uh, yeah, uh, Nikki Kay was uh, the last one. Bruce Shepherd, uh, Paul Buchanan doing some GCSB questions oh, today. Oh, okay. Yeah. That would be interesting. And then we also have um, Michael. Now, Michael, give me the pronunciation. Kook. Cooch, okay, soft G. And he is from The Edge. You can tell I don't listen to The Edge, but my daughter changes it to the channel every time she uses my car. So he is the newsreader for, who are they? Dom and JJ. JJ. Tell I don't, tell I never, ever listen to that channel. (laughs) (laughs) First first troll. But he's also the, um, the, yeah, first troll of the night. And also he's leads their social media presence. And I can kind of imagine that would be a really entertaining yet somewhat perplexing role. And at the very end we have Richard. Now Richard's New Zealand cricket's shiny new thing, but I did see him defending Telecom's new um, community manager just yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so he's got some very entertaining stories for us from um, 
the days at Telecom and New Zealand cricket actually just seems to be as though it may have its own sort of issues. Well, they've been going pretty well since I joined, so, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's all right. But you had, a, you had a word with the board, did you? That's right. Okay, yeah. that's good. Okay, so we're going to kick off. So the pre-internet troll was quite a benevolent creature. So there were the happy days when they had fuzzy little hair. These days, our troll is quite a nasty little character. Good old Wikipedia, so if you can read that faster than I can tell you. And here is the actual number one troll from Reddit, which is pretty much the profile most of us would expect of someone who lurks in their basement, sitting on their computer. And this guy was one of the most prolific um, trollers on Reddit and was outed by a magazine article. Um, Self-confessed pervert, I think was his description. Now, you know, what is trolling about? Is it about celebrities um, being criticised? Is that trolling? Or is it just, are they just pests? Or is it celebrities being trolls themselves? Like Chris Brown, you know, had to leave Twitter in the end. <laughs> so this, this is more your classic troll fa- um, page, and I took this off one of my favourite um, follows on Facebook. I can say it. I fucking love science, and it's got your sort of, sort of your sort of general spread of trolls. So now I'm going to hand over to um, each one on the panel and basically just get them to say what they do and what their biggest challenge at the moment is with monitoring their social media pages. So, top of the line. Uh, okay, so at the moment, uh, as of about five or six weeks ago, I'm digital manager at New Zealand Cricket, um, obviously ex telecom. Um, we've at, at the moment, it's, I've, I've got to say we haven't had too many trolls come in. New Zealand Cricket's obviously had a few issues um, at the end of last year. So they kind of, have like offline trolls? Uh, yeah, well radio sport trolls I think. Sort of, is, um, it's quite a, some, of the, some of the hosts and some of the callers I think. But um, you know, um, yeah, I mean I've, I've had more issues in this area back at Telecom. Um, yeah. Obviously people that uh, had no love for us and also um, you know, when we messed up uh, network issues and the like or um, you know, Say uh, Stephen Fry gives us uh, a serve one day that that brought out a few trolls too. So, yeah. Oh, that's really, now did they sort that out? Well, that was when he complained about the low, the slow speed. That's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he managed to um, uh, sort of uh, get a get a people's movement going very quickly um, against us. So um, yeah, that was quite quite challenging. But, uh, yeah. Michael. Yep. Hi. Can I hear you? Yeah, you got to speak. Yep. You got to speak up. Hello. 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 <laughs> We, uh, I come from New Zealand's number one music station. Uh, we have... <laughs> yeah, that's actually official. demographic, okay. Yeah, that's actually in writing, too. It's real. Um, we are number one on Facebook, number one on, as I want to say, the internet, number one radio website in New Zealand. Um, we have 140,000 likes on Facebook uh, for the main edge site and aggregated about 500,000. And for Twitter, 50,000 on the main edge Twitter. So I deal with quite a lot of people. But um, the main issue I'd say with that is finding the time to deal with a lot of people because I do a lot of other things at the station as well. But so we have three of us. So. so on that night, how much time a month do you, do you find that it takes you to manage your, your social media pages? Well, you'll find that when you post something, you'll have about two hours of mopping up to do. So that's always fun at night when you yeah. might rather be watching TV. But um, So yeah, quite a bit of time. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. as the years go on, it's gone 
quite a bit more. So are you paid by the station during the day to do that, or is that something that, like you said, at night? So are you doing this how often? Quite a bit, but it usually generates quite high traffic and interaction when you post, or if something happens on air that's quite controversial. Yeah. Uh, and we have a lot of controversial moments. Yeah. I'll touch on that later on. <laughs> okay, Anna? Um, so I'm Anna. Um, I work for the beloved institution that is the Bank of New Zealand. Um, I am currently online community manager, soon to be something else. We're in a bit of a morph space. Uh, I look after a team of three people, and we manage uh, all of our social platforms and channels, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, uh, LinkedIn, and we're also looking at how you, you know, utilise social principles essentially across across all of the channels or points of interactions that customers have with us. Um, we work uh, in a pretty multifaceted way, so we're doing customer service, we're doing social PR, we're doing marketing, integrated campaign stuff. Um, so a bit jack of all trades, like a lot of people working in social in New Zealand. Um, I think when it comes to online communities and social, our biggest challenge at the moment is probably working out which feedback matters and which feedback doesn't um, and I think that's kind of a broader issue around social data and social CRM um, yeah in the middle of a big campaign at the moment Something yeah I know it's interesting because you had that kind of um, that campaign recently that yep. a lot of people either loved or hated yep. so did I might come back to that, but how the response to that went, because I just want to go to Kristen now. Chris, can I just get you to move around a little bit so I can just yep. see? And um, so, Chris, you're at NBR. Does that, with the paywall, how does that work with, is, with the interaction that you have with the community, wider community? Is it quite a set community that you have? Yeah, we found the, um, the paywall quite restrictive at times because uh, at the NBR, which is NBR's Twitter account, which I wrangle, um, we used to get a lot of kickback when we um, tweeted paid stories, but um, recently we've introduced company-wide subscriptions at Vodafone and Telecom and Two Degrees and all the big banks and insurance companies and altogether around 200 large organisations have, have taken. So we've quite expanded the, the pool of um, paid subscribers, but it's still um, something I, I get a lot of aggressive <coughs> comments about on social media when oh, okay. you get interaction going around a paid story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's people who are not subscribers wanting to come onto a story and read about it and they're upset that they can't go get through to yeah, it. Yeah, um, A lot of people are offended by the fact if I, I tweet a paid story or promote it on LinkedIn and <laughs> um, some are just offended by the, the paywall altogether. So, yeah. So, coming back to that, I'll just ask each of you, what is the difference between... Um, Fair comment. Someone who's who's justifiably justifiably upset, and then when it trips over to trolling. So, how do you differentiate? I mean, is it when someone is really upset and they're just venting, or when it's just tripped over and gone over that line? Uh, it's it's the degree to which they're constructive. You know, even if someone's upset, you can you can tell if they've got a genuine problem that needs sorting out, and it's you know just a matter of getting. You know, hopefully calming them down and, and offering some help to, to resolve the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, there's also unconstructive people that are just there to score points, um, press their mates, um, or what have you, or maybe more kind of malicious intent. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that would be that would be my kind of line. Um, yeah. 
And Michael, I'm really interested because of all of them, I mean, as I mentioned before, you're a much younger demographic, really, aren't you? So it's a whole new language, a whole new way. I mean, these are digital natives where the other three will really be people more in the business style or customers. So, mm. so what, what do you see as a difference with when it's fair comment or when it's actually almost a cultural way of being? Well, as a brand, just first off, I think we're a bit confused. We are actually, our main target is 18 to 39. So we have quite a few um, adult listeners that make up quite big numbers. But then we have a very big fan base of teenagers um, who are very literate with social media and very lightning fast. Mm. And they just sit on Twitter all night long and they tweet relentlessly. <laughs> yeah, especially when they're voting for a song. So oh, okay. Then they get angry when we don't reply. Oh, really? Or we don't play the song. So is, is that immediacy something that they expect and that they get really uh, yeah. upset? Yeah, yeah it's because I think also because the nature of radio it's immediate as well so that they expect the brand on social to be living up to that status as well but the good thing is, is that when there's something big on we'll have uh, an on-air personality look after the social media as well and a producer come on as well so. yeah now Anna with a BNZ I mean you're looking at a bank so what would you say I mean with trolling what would be the major because it's quite how do you troll a bank I mean what are the things that they're upset about Oh, it's quite easy to troll yeah. the bank. <laughs> it's just not easy to troll me. Because um, it's come out as a fake, it can be perceived as a fake. It's kind of interesting. I, I don't actually fundamentally have a problem with trolls in the sense that I think part of the contract around being on social is that, you know, and if, if we bring it back to the campaign stuff, you know, you, you do campaigns that are in people's faces and you you buy a lot of media and you're in people's news feeds and so to a certain extent you've got to expect that you know if you do bold stuff you get bold responses and very salty language and I mean I think I mean for us trolling is probably repetition so when we know someone isn't a customer for example and they're just going and going and going and going and going um, that's probably when we start getting a bit personally hacked off I think um, I don't know I kind of have a thing around the fact that if brands are there you, you're a little bit fair game but I, I also think we're starting to move into a space where I think there should be an expectation around behaviour from customers and people who use social you know and is it just customers that troll you? No, God, no. <laughs> I would say, yeah. No. I mean, what's the problem? So. No, so, I mean, not at all. In fact, customers, the customers that regularly use social as a customer service channel, um, they'll tell us what they think about stuff, but, you know, I like to think that we have built quite a strong online community with with a lot of customers, particularly in particular demographics. So a younger demographic with something like a new U-Money product, for example, really genuine online community engagement going on there. But we can't win them all, and, and, you know, I think banks are particularly big targets, and... Um, People, there are people who fundamentally don't agree with what we do, so we're already kind of at a bit of an ideological disadvantage in some ways, yeah. particularly somewhere like Twitter, which well, that's interesting. Ideological. I think swings a bit yeah. left anyway. So yeah. when you had all the occupy kind of movement, yeah. did you get a lot of traffic during that time? Um, no, not not really, but I think it did something around consciousness raising for a lot of New Zealand. I think it was a slow wave, yeah. and I feel like what we were seeing in Australia maybe a year ago, where bank hate's kind of like a sport, um, we are starting to see bits and pieces of that now. 
Yeah. And that's the Cyprus stuff oh, and the Europe yeah. stuff. I was just going to say, I mean, like everyone that's on Twitter knows that, you know, you're, you're very interested in what the topic of discussion of the day is. You know, it might be the Boston Marathon thing or um, Rugby World Cup or whatever. Um, but, you know, often, say, around a brand campaign or something, you are the topic of conversation. And it's quite, and if that doesn't go well, that's, um, yeah, you know, I, I can understand people having a, having a pop because I've kind of done it myself, you know, to other things. Um, but hopefully nobody in this room. But, um, but, you know, it is quite hard to take when you're on the other side of that, you know. Um, you know, um, you know, but shit, you know, but hard enough in some ways, you know, because you're yeah. there doing the job for the, for the bank. I, th- I think it's also about the evolution of social in a lot of ways. So I think for, for a couple of years, everybody was on there and we were all about engagement and we were all about talking to everybody all the time. And for quite a while, BNZ, there was literally nothing we wouldn't respond to. So if someone wrote, you know, BNZ, get we would go back and say, oh, that's not good. How can we fix that? And um, we've learned quite quickly as we, I guess, I suppose, um, develop as a team and and social develops within business and has lots of different functions that the engagement and the online community is still really, really important, but not every horrible comment feels like a dagger to your heart anymore. Oh, okay, so you're getting tough skins. Well, you're yeah. working on other stuff and you're looking at how it can be productive or constructive as opposed to... And, and is there an acceptance that this is part of the territory now? That, yes. You know, that we've all grown up and you realise that the internet has it's good, it's bad, it's really ugly and it's just generally sometimes amusing, sometimes quite mean side to it. So with Chris, with journalism, I mean, your stories will react and people react to your stories a lot more. Oh. So what is your sort of experience there? Um, I mean, <clears throat> NBA is to be the, the lowest of the low. We used to have the worst troll reputation ever because we had comments going live straight to the site. Because, oh, um, you mean a bit like this? Our, our former owner, God bless him, could afford libel insurance. And um, he was a maverick rich guy who owns a publication for his... Um, own amusement, which is probably the only workable um, publishing paradigm now. Um, so he was he was very keen on comments going live straight to the website. So we had a lot of uh, debate around that. Um, well, a lot of people been offended. Rod Drury was a, a key one who was constantly being slagging off, being slagged off. And uh, one of the things Barry did say was, you know, hang on a sec, Rod, this guy who you're calling a troll was actually pointed out that you just changed the way that you um, report R&D in your, um, your annual report and he's actually made quite a valid point and you're just slagging, on, slagging him off as a troll so I think you know, trolls are not always trolls but having said that some of them were horrific and when Barry sold NBR in September when he was about two millimetres out the door and we put comments under moderation Okay, but um, Having said that, I still prefer to keep to bring trolls inside the tent where possible, and that would manifest itself in terms of we'd look at a comment and say, "Is it just slagging someone off, like playing the man off the ball, or is it, you know, libelous?" And if it's not, we'd delete it. But we'd also just try and snip a couple of lines from the comment and, and still have it. Yeah. Yeah. So you've all got, I mean, Twitter's the hardest work because that is real time, so it is coming through. Mm. So, but what do you do? How do you shut it down? So I'll probably look at it, you know, what are the worst examples you've had? And when is it worse to block somebody? I mean, where do you draw the line between blocking somebody? And this is what a lot of people have asked, that it becomes more negative to start blocking than it does to 
to keep it going, to keep it going active? Uh, like I say, Twitter's very difficult because, I mean, you can block someone, but everyone else can still see mm. their tweets, you know, particularly if they're in a, in a hashtag conversation. Um, like I say, I mean, I don't bother blocking people off a, off a brand account. It's not, not really worth it. Um, you can, you know, I have uh, banned people on Facebook. Um, you know, and, again, and, and for what reason? Well, for being unconstructive. Um, normally, you know, my own system was to give a warning. You know, I'd delete a comment, and so I deleted that comment because you called, um, compared us to the Nazis, you know, stuff like that. And, um, uh, and then, you know, if a, you know just, just as a random example, but, um, you know, first I'd screenshot it, you know, I'm a compulsive screenshot because you want to kind of have the oh, okay, backup yep. on that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. Them. I mean, I had um, one customer that started started emailing me saying, oh, I'm a telecom customer. I demand to be unbanned from your Facebook page. But, um, <laughs> yeah, sort of um, explained to him you know, wh- why I thought his behaviour wasn't acceptable and the fact that, you know, we have young kids coming to our page and stuff and, you know, the, the ban stands. So, yeah. Yeah. We often get the phenomenon where someone says, you've banned me, but I'm a paying subscriber. Mm. Yeah. And it's like, oh, sweet screaming monkeys. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I've found the, uh, the best way to handle that is often just to take it offline. I don't mean escalating by DM, just to, yeah. to get them oh, yeah, on the phone. And once you get someone on the phone, yeah. it can cool it down as fast as, you know, it's, it's heated up online. And that's interesting. Is, if you take it offline, does it cool down as soon as you get that face-to-face or, you know, yeah, human, human interaction? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So When I say take it to the phone, I usually... Yeah, I pass them to my sidekick Wayne. The <laughs> sidekick Wayne. <laughs> but, yeah, I need a sidekick in Wayne. In general, the, as soon as you can get some real life or get them on the phone, it just calls it down straight away in general. Yeah. And is it that really that wall that is why people can do it? That, not even an anonymity, but that ability that you can just sit at a keyboard and you can just go crazy and have no rebuttal or no you know, comeback? Because with a, with a ten, like with a younger demographic, what do you do? You deal with it in any different way? When you ban them, how does that? How does have you banned people? Do you block them? How does that go? Um, I haven't blocked anyone on Twitter because there's no real point to that. Um, but definitely on Facebook. On Facebook, yes. Yeah. yeah. Only if they're being abusive towards other users, towards people in general, racism, just anything like that. But I don't have any tolerance for that. So I'll hide a comment if it's doesn't um, is it not constructive or it helps the conversation at all or it's just a waste of everyone's time um, because it'll cause infights within the thread and it's just still there's no point in reading 5,000 people bitching at someone else so. yeah. but um, the, the really good thing is, is that if you build a really nice good online community you'll actually get users who stand up for your brand and what you do yeah. so we've had in the past users have stood up for us or things we've done so that it turns into a constructive discussion instead of a hate session, yeah. which is we we encourage a constructive discussion. So because that's what we are on air, we do that as well. We have callers on air with different opinions and text messages, and so we would also encourage that online because we're a reflection of the on-air brand. So, and with that, um, have you ever had the experience where you have thought any of you that this is actually someone a competitor setting up? Fake accounts, fan IDs, that yeah. sort of thing. And how do you how do you deal with that, and how do you trace it? Um, well, yeah, it's funny there's a couple of people with that issue in the room, but um, yeah, I mean, I've uh, you know I haven't had that in cricket, but over here with um, 
yeah, some people are actually pretty pretty silly. They you know they troll or um, put a, a competitor offer on our page. Um, you know, and you click on their profile and hello, they work for company X. So I mean, um, you know, luckily in New Zealand we're small enough that I could actually kind of have a yarn to the people at company X, and you know, just just quietly, um, not in any kind of get someone fired kind of way. But I mean, you know, um, that's that's how I. That's how I did it. Um, I think, you know, in, in a couple of those cases, other people on the page actually said, but hang on, you work for Company X. So, yeah, they kind of made themselves look a bit silly, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. And, but, I mean, that's quite identifiable. But with you on the edge, I mean, you've got such a big, big kind of profile. I mean, it's not companies. Would it be... Is that anything you've ever experienced? Not no, personally, which has been very good. We had quite a good track record of not anything crazy like that. Um... But uh, you do notice the odd, odd in-house kind of quip at you, so you wonder where that comes from sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, I'm with so, so it's, yeah, the, I'm with it's the, the, yeah. the enemy within rather than the enemy yeah. without. It's okay. the guy next to me is yeah. sick of my shit. <laughs> Someone looking for your job. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and I mean, banks would they be above that sort of thing? Or I hope so. No, I don't. No, I mean, I think we're all the. Banks, you know, that do social work are actually all relatively collegial. So you kind of have to be because we get a lot of the same stuff. Um, I don't know. We, we might have done. But I think, again, it comes down to that decision around what feedback's important and what's not. And I think if you're a competitor, you know, like we're not stupid. We can spot a deliberate troll or, yeah. or shit stirring. So, yeah. you know, whether or not we respond or get ourselves entangled into a fight on Facebook about something... You know. Yeah, and and Chris as well. I mean, I don't know whether that's something you've struggled with journalism. Is it? I oh, mean, I can't imagine that. Yeah, it's probably rather. not directly applicable yeah. to us. We have things like we're um, being a picky from interest or, or lately of interest. We'll put a uh, URL to one of his articles and comments where he feels <laughs> he's covered a topic better and just live and let live. Yeah. I, on Twitter, I do. Uh, Often block people who are just trying to piggyback on um, NBR's account, which definitely doesn't skew left, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is probably not. That's why you um, retire. <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, just out of annoyance that they're, they're trying to uh, piggyback on our account, which happens a lot with marketing people. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, that's the problem a lot of, well, not problem, but a situation you face when people come in and start <coughs> trying to piggyback off your account, you know. How do you, do you just delete the straight out spammers? I take it that as soon as you see that appearing. So there was interesting seeing on your account yesterday the young girl who's obviously yep. just started the previous telecom one where you said, "Oh, don't worry, I, I had it." Yeah. But I mean, it has to be important to have someone now who's aware. I mean, it must be an old enough that um, this is a situation where you have to have a social media person who understands what you're doing and what the for, what the tracks are. Yep. I mean, it's no longer just somebody out of uni, surely. No, I don't think so. Is it? I think I think everyone would agree that we've evolved to the point where you really need to be aware of what you're doing. Because well, look, I mean, we'll do, take an example. I got the the Qantas luxury campaign, which was an outstanding disaster. Um, I mean. What were they thinking? I mean, is, what would you do if that was your situation, that your marketing department said, hey, we've got a great idea. We've got a major industrial action going on at the moment. <laughs> yeah. um, we thought we'd run this campaign and just see how it goes. 
I often think with that, like, there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's not the best one. I think we ever signed off the Susan album party, or whatever that was, that was, uh, that was probably one that they could have seen coming, but, um, but yeah, no, it's, um, yeah. It's quite, I think it speaks a little bit to, um, again, I'm so boring with this, but, you know, the, the, how social is changing and, and things, because I think there's been a vast under, underestimation of the skill required to be a community manager. There's been a lot of sparkly social tools and a lot of, you should all be there, and, you know, I think a lot of businesses are going, okay, well, we need to figure out why we're there now. We've been there for two years. What are we doing? And I think community management and knowing your people, and you have to hire great communicators, so... You are hiring people who've maybe who are seasoned kind of comms pros or who know how to speak to people like real people and know who the people are. Yeah. Like it's as much about relationship management as it is about you know getting twenty million likes on a post. Yeah. Hey, Adrian, this, can you do a quick case study? I don't know what you're talking about. What the Qantas luxury one. Um, most people are familiar with it where the Qantas ran a, a campaign to offer luxury items when they were in the midst of an industrial dispute and um, the Twitter stream was basically hijacked by people bitching and moaning about how shit Qantas was oh, so most people are familiar about it with it? Yeah, so it was, it was it's a bit of a case study if you just, just yeah. google it um, you'll find it and it's like if you were in the midst of a major industrial campaign and both the public and your service is declining, is that a good time to run a social media campaign? Hmm. I mean, who makes that judgment call? Or do you just... And it, and it backfired miserably on them. I think the thing with this one for me was that they showed an utter lack of like humour or acknowledgement of the fact that they'd messed up hmm. as it went on. It was like three days before they put out a, any kind of response. Um, went on and on and NPR yeah. had its... Um, own disaster where we had a uh, competition where a reader could win their own body weight in fur for champagne um, which I unkindly constantly um, remind my publisher of various um, competitions, mock competitions I run my Twitter feed Um, but I think it's it's about having the confidence to act fast because our main problem was when we had criticism of it, which I won't go into now, is that we let it drag on for days and we should have just shut it down and resolved it straight away as we, we did in the end. So what I'm going to do is, it's actually quite an interesting conversation so I would like to throw it over. Have we got, have we got mics to hand out to the audience? Where's my mic person? Or actually just come up here if you like. So we'll just, I would really like to throw over questions. I know a lot of you are going to have questions. It would be good to have quite a good question and answer um, session. So, yep. Um, just for the community managers and Chris as well, uh, you're saying before that uh, you think people should harden up it's just part of the job but at some point does does it become a bit personal and if it does how do you handle that aspect how do you handle people calling you a dick and things like that <laughs> okay well, so if you can't hear it how do you handle how do you not take it personally essentially yeah. isn't it yeah like for me it was kind of a learning curve that I went through because like early on I was definitely taking every um, negative comment towards um, telecom you know it's obviously a major corporation quite personally um, and that just wasn't sustainable you know you, you become an even more bitter and twisted person than you already are so um, you know um, it's been called dick I've been called that for a long time so it's, it's okay but, um, but, uh, but yeah I mean you know you need to you know harden up is probably a bit glib but I mean you know sort of take it for what it is, realise that the most part it isn't personal, um, and, and also step away and take breaks and stuff like that, which I think, you know, the level of resourcing sometimes doesn't always allow that no. quite, quite so well, um, but yeah. 
there, so I do not I think there's lots of ways of coping with it because I've taken things extremely personally and um, I think sometimes if it's really high volume, it's just utterly human to get to the point where you're crying in the shower drinking vodka and that's fine. <laughs> Um, yeah, but that's, that's turn, turning 40. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I've got that to look forward to. Um, it's a kind of, it can be a bit emotional roller coaster because you do go through that thing. You're like, why did we do this? This is the worst thing ever. And then you go like, no, it's the best thing ever. And you guys are all dicks. So it, it can get quite tumultuous. But I think have really good support networks. So have other people around you who do this kind of thing for a job and give yourself the space to do a little bit of you know, petty whispering. <laughs> I think you know, yeah. like you have to you have to behave like a human yeah. being because you spend so much time online mm. speaking as a weird kind of hybrid of a of a logo and yourself. So you have to not well, beat how yourself hard up. Is it, I mean this must be the this would be the big thing. How hard is it not to respond? To say, oh just very hard. Very hard. Yeah, usually um or share negative feedback with the office and they bloody love it. We just say it out loud, and everyone has a good old chuckle. And then uh, we go get coffee, and then come back and think, "Oh, should I reply? Oh, nah, just leave it." Yeah. I hear that um, some people say really mean comments to them through a sock puppet account, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't condone that. I think it's okay to be offended to a certain degree because that means you love the brand you work for. And I think that's a big thing: is that if you don't love the brand you work for, if you're not getting a little bit of chink in your armor, then you don't really shouldn't really be there because. It's all a love thing at the end of the day. That's what keeps you going because you just relentlessly hit with bullets. So what was the music store recently where the the staff hijacked the Twitter feed when they were... um, I think it was Yeah, it was HGV. So, Mm. I mean, obviously that would have to be quite important that the staff aren't going to hijack the Twitter feed and troll it themselves. (laughs) So any any other questions? Paul? Yeah, uh, we we had an interesting occurrence a little while back. Like, I've always thought of trolls as individuals. But we had a really interesting situation where an opposing company actually placed maybe 20 trolls. And they were continuously growing trolls. You know, they were, they, were, they were creating accounts and throwing stuff at us. And what was interesting is they were trying to recruit from grievances on one of the pages. They were trying to actually recruit supporters so that, you know, that, that, that whole troll thing went. And, and there was a, a time when we considered, well, do, do we shut down the page? There was a time when we thought, well, you know, do we just go delete, 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 delete and start taking people out? We, whereas we might have caught in that net some people who were really not trolls, mm. who were just, who, who had, uh, mm. you know, real causes of disaffection. In the end, uh, and rightly or wrongly, we actually chose to let that run for a while and just interject uh, with the positive and helpful and, uh, and personal one-on-one comments in the way. But I'd be really interested in all your feedback on what you do. Have, have you ever had a kind of a multiple fronts attack? And what have you done about that? We, we, I don't know if we've had a multiple front of attack. I mean, we we had our... We did Money is Good, Money is Bad. And um, we had an account startup, which was a a troll account essentially that was promising free money drops and all of that kind of thing <laughs> and <laughs> went on for about two weeks and for the first week I, I mean I didn't sleep because I had visions of this being the world's most malicious industrial espionage takedown <laughs> and you know racking my brains as to who it could be and you know and, and it was escalating up the bank and people were getting really concerned about it 
and I think, well, you know, the next week I was like, oh, this is a dude having a laugh, you know, and and you write it out because you play. I think, I mean, depending on what you're doing in social, most of the time you're playing social for a long game, and I think as long as you're hyper vigilant. You know, like if you can see that it's starting to get into a space where potentially damage is going to be caused in a big way, either to your brand or to other people. You know, like my thing with Money Drop was, oh my God, he's called to these people here. What if they all get run over? And um, but you know, you, you can only control what you can control to a certain extent. I think, you know, unless it's getting into really dangerous territory, stay the course. Can I just uh, introduce a question from my uh, iPhone at this point? Something. Uh, <laughs> Trolled by Rod Drury, who I assume is not here, but following the, the Twitter feed. Um, as I said, NBR switched to moderating all comments, but we still allow anonymous comments. And uh, Rod is saying that anonymous comments still keep good discussion away and race dialogue to the bottom. And I think if you look at any NBR article, like our um, Ask Me Anything sessions, which we actually hashed out with Rod, if you look at the anonymous comments and the comments where people have left their name in full respect to the people who do that. There's no actual correlation to the, the quality of the comments. You get some rubbish comments from people who've left their name, you get some really good anonymous comments, and sometimes people have to be anonymous to, to make a good point, and I, I just don't see any correlation whatsoever, so we're quite happy to, to allow anonymous comments. Are there, like, career trolls? I mean, are there names or, or people that you see that you think straight away, or are yeah. they blocked quite early along? Yeah, we've got quite a hardcore... I mean, you know, our, you're not kind of John Minto of trolling. Yeah. Our, um, <laughs> our, our erstwhile publisher and our current publisher, they both love the idea of community content, but when they get up close to it, to the hardcore little group of people who post all the time, then they get freaked out. Um, I think that there is a, a really hardcore group of people who cause problems and yeah. quite time-consuming. Like, and also, because it's a small group, they can be dealt with quite easily. David? Can I just... One quick question. I mean, one of the things that characterises everybody here this evening is that you represent an organisation. So you are expressing things on behalf of your organisation. So when somebody challenges you on their own behalf. They do it either anonymously or in their own name. I've used the internet since whenever, and I always use <coughs> my own words. To me, that's important. I will never anonymously comment. I will always comment in my own name. I've so, so, I've bagged the BNZ. So, David, do you have a question? Is there a question? No, no, no. Is there a question? <laughs> Are you going to bag the BNZ again? <laughs> Sorry, lead up to the question. So, I'm asking you, so you're representing an organisation. It's not personal. And yet, for the people who speak to you, who comment to you, it is personal. They feel deeply sometimes about the things they're talking about. So, you're job is to communicate with them. And, and, and here's the question. Here comes the question. So my question is, so to what extent do you empathise with them and want to help them solve their problems? Do you really feel some empathy for them? Or are you just... Of course you do. No, I think that in terms of you saying that we're not 
pretty personal as a brand. No, no, I'm asking, I'm not saying. Yeah. Well, so it, the question is, do you, do you empathise with your customers? But I think that we are this. part of the brand in terms of, no, I'm not the whole brand, but I'm a part of it. So I treat, it's a personal discussion between me and someone else, and I'm representing the brand. And so I'm just wearing a business tag that says I'm from the edge, and I'm just talking to you personally. I'm, I'm not just a faceless person, I will actually help you. And, that, and that's, that's essentially the, the really the thing about this. It is actually communicating with a person in a way that's sort of been lost to a great extent by the call centre mentality. I mean, how many of you have given up in the call centre have tweeted Vodafone or Telecom? I mean, it is quite common now. And you know that you're going to get a response more times than you will through a call centre. I mean, having empathy for uh, for people is like the number one tenant of community management. So yes, there's a lot of hard shelling yourself and a lot of uh, I don't take it personally and I you know I don't care about your comment I care about yours but ultimately I mean we sit at the coalface of people telling us what they think and quite often people are right you know they are absolutely right we're doing something that's dumb or you know but I think you know our job is as much about pushing that back into the business and saying, hey guys, this is the general feeling about this thing or this is, keeps coming up, why do we keep doing it? You know, yeah. uh, Customer empathy is huge. It's, now, we're quite good at... Amy, Amy, tell us more about how you push it back into the business. David, we've actually got a question over here. Can we have a question over it's here? It's a long story, David. Yeah, so the question is, how do you manage your senior managers, basically, when it's turning to shit? It's quite, it's quite hard if you're, um, you know, if the CEO comes over and says, what's happening on social media, and the, the one tweet you have on your screen is saying, the CEO's a dick, um, you know, it's like... <laughs> I'm Spartacus. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you, you have to be quite honest, you know. I mean, you know, again, it's not personal for him, and it's taking him, well, him or her on a, on a bit of a journey. Um, I mean, like, a good example of that was the abstain campaign. I mean, it was like, you know, what, what are people saying on Twitter? It's like, well, you don't want to know. <laughs> like, um, yeah. Um, but, I mean, you know, the, the trick there was to actually, instead of saying, oh, there's a million angry people on the internet, like, the trick was to, you know, put it into some senior management language, you know, high-level summaries and pie graphs and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and, you know, um, so, sorry to any high-level senior managers here, but, um, yeah, that's... Um, that's what we did for that one. So, so putting a, people think the campaign sucks into a pie graph. Basically. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> now, we're going to have one more question. Justin? Okay. Um, I think community managers are very much the kind of first mile of customer experience for many brands. Do you think community managers in New Zealand are still uh, undervalued in the work that they do? And what are your comments around that? Uh, Personally, I don't know about, I think, you know, you're very valued, you're a very valued part of the team, both for, you know, relaying what customers think and also taking care of things, you know, that customers come through with. Um, I think under-resourced is probably it. I mean, you know, the, the right now graphs and things that we saw at the start, I mean, you know, um, mentioning no names, but I mean, a lot of the a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff isn't still as lined up as it should be systems-wise, um, particularly in terms of um, customer service talking to frontline. 
Um, you know, I think some companies are pretty well lined up on the marketing side of things, but um, yeah, I don't know. There's just a bit more more to be done there. I think. I think that like you see these um, infographics floating around around the ideal composition of a social media team, and they've come out of the states, and there's 25 people, and you know, <laughs> looking at me and my two colleagues, and and you, you're doing lot, you're doing everything in some ways, and. It's still so new and people are still kind of evolving specialties in that space. So I've started in a community management space, so I you know, may move more into a an insight space or a marketing space. So I don't think I don't think they're undervalued. I just think the the nuances around having twenty five different skill sets within a social team hasn't quite landed in New Zealand and may not, because New Zealand is a small country. Yeah, exactly. I think you've got, unless you've got like right now in some sort of industrial strength system feeding into your core centre, then most small New Zealand organisations have got the problem that it never stops with website comments and it just goes on all the time. And uh, I think they will always be financially thankless and at the end of the day you've just got to you know, enjoy doing it to do it because there's no, <laughs> there's no financial rationale or resourcing rationale. Michael? Just to wrap up, what's your? Do you think you're undervalued, or do you think you are extravagantly paid? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not extravagantly paid. Um, no, I think that over the, I've done it for five years. So I think that it started out from being, can you tweet this to um, communicating, uh, exchanging, talking, building. You know, like it's it's gone a long way. Mm-hmm. You can see the staff changes. You can see now. I mean, we've got dedicated social media people now, as so we didn't have those a few years ago. We've got dedicated things we go to, conferences and things, and resources. And yeah. so it's becoming yeah. a real job. Oh, it's a yeah. it's a massive thing. Yeah. Well, I would like to actually we'll wrap up there because we've really been quite good at keeping to time. So I really want to thank the panel tonight because I think it's been a really interesting discussion, and I also think it's one we should continue on Facebook on our Facebook page. And I would just like to leave, I was looking for an example of trolling that wasn't too vile, because I mean they're pretty vile ones. And I struck this one, and I'm not sure if it is quite trolling, but the internet is that gift that keeps on giving. So this was on, um, I did not even know this existed, that My Little Pony was apparently also a sexual cartoon series. So (laughs) apparently this character is engaged to my little pony character twinkle star and he got upset because the erotic my little pony artists were writing sexual um, stories about his fiance <laughs> <laughs> so we're leave it on that note and i'd like to say a really big thank you right there Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to the Social Media Club Auckland's uh, panel discussion there. Uh, You can, of course, follow them on Twitter at SMCAKL. And you can follow us, New Zealand Digital Podcast, at NZ underscore digital on Twitter. Uh, you can also find us on uh, on Facebook too. So thank you very much for joining us. That's it for this episode, and we'll be back again very soon. See ya.